Welcome back, everybody, to the Energy for Sales podcast, where we believe if you're not having fun in sales, you could be doing something wrong. David Oliphant and Tim Hooper, your hosts. David, do you agree with that statement? Tim, absolutely. We, we know that to be true, that if you're not having fun in sales, you are doing probably quite a bit wrong and really excited for today's guest. I'm going to let you, Tim, introduce him. Um, he has many titles. One being friend of the podcast, I'm going to uh, let Tim introduce us to Jeff. I, I got to meet Jeff Bajoric in a coaching um, environment. Yeah, he coached me for a good six month uh, a time frame and really moved me to the next level. And so I'm just astounded, just just blown away that we get to bring him on our podcast. He's a sales coach, trainer, speaker, podcast host, father, friend, you name it. He's got the roles that we we either have or aspire to have in our lives as sales trainers and managers, leaders, hopefully leader, not manager. But Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Take it away, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, it, it's one of those things where, you know, I try not to be too grandiose with the way I introduce myself. It's like, okay, well, well what do you do? I mean, well, I train and coach salespeople and I consult with sales leaders and okay, I, all right, I've written a couple of little books. I'm working on another one. I've got two podcasts. Okay. What do you, where do you start? You know what? My name's Jeff. I'm in sales. I love talking about sales. I love the, being a student of understanding how people act, what makes them move. I, I, selling is about more than transactions and money. Tra selling is about how you interact with people on a day-to-day -day basis. And I mean, I don't know. I suppose being who I am, I should probably have something a little snappier, right? But like, look, here's the thing. I challenge people. And I want to challenge you if you're listening right now. I want to challenge you to rethink the way you sell so you can sell like you. Because if you sell like you, you're going to have more fun. You are going to be more effective. You are going to make more sales. You are going to be encouraged to do it more often. And when you are better at doing something to the point where you do it more often, that starts to look like exponential growth, guys. And what are we here trying to do? We're trying to grow. And you try to grow professionally. You try to grow personally. You want to feel more fulfilled. And I love the way you started. You guys have been paying attention. You've been eavesdropping on me. I say this all the time. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And there's, I don't know where you guys want to get started, but I was reluctant to get into sales. And now I can't imagine myself having any other kind of career or doing anything else because it's just so much fun. And um, I think that's a great place. I love where you guys started that. Yeah. Jeff, thanks for that. Um, Tim, I know that, you know, we've been excited about having Jeff on for a long time and he's had, had great impact. Uh, over that six month period that you guys work together and and beyond that so uh, touch on a few of the things that were impactful you had mentioned some things when we were riffing earlier that uh, at the start of the relationship i love where jeff went uh you know people have to be themselves you can't be someone else you can't be successful being someone else and so take it from there tim yeah, I, perfect. Perfect tee up. One of the things that stood out to me the most, obviously, as a sales leader, coaching a team was the the accountability piece of one on one um, of getting agreement, um, getting buy in from your team and then simply holding them accountable to that. So and, and what Jeff emphasized to me is it's not the same. Yes, it might be the same consistency, the same meeting one-on-one -on -one with your with your team but that every every team member is going to be just a bit different so you know what is how do you coach them effectively um and then how do you do how do you understand when you have a, a bad fit one of the things jeff did for me and, and jeff you're welcome to touch on that but one of the things he did for me personally was helped me to look into my database 
And instead of trying to, again, be all things to all people at one time, segment my database and actually look at the people who are, you know, hot, warm, cold, like segment and go after a, a what I like what Mike says, a finite workable list. Mm-hmm. And when I was able to get that focus, sales grew, right? So, so I don't know, Jeff, which way you want to go. I'm kind of leaving you a why, a fork here in the road. But I felt like it, both were very, very relevant to where we're at today. Well, t- let's be honest, Tim. What you did just now was you said, hey, Jeff, welcome. Um, talk about something. Go. That's what you just did right there. And so thank you for that, that you know, team of nothing for me, by the way. Um, no, I'm, I'm having fun. The, um, I, I, it's funny, um, Mike Weinberg you know, had you guys teed up as an engagement and he and I've known each other for several years and um, I've got great respect for Mike. And he said, Jeff, you know, it'd be fun. He said, why don't we do this thing together? I have a really cool opportunity here. I think this would be fun to work together. And, uh, and so we did, and, and it was just an amazing time. But you talk about two very important concepts of, uh, that, that Mike talks about. And one of those is the fact that accountability sets the tone for his high-performance sales culture. And the other is that you need to be able to focus on growable accounts, but a finite number of growable accounts. And I think that's where a lot of people get things wrong. And let's go back to this theme of fun. That's where things stop being fun is when you don't know who's responsible for what. And that means everybody's responsible for everything. And everything is a really big number. Okay. So like, let's talk about this. So Tim, you've got reps, right? And David, you've got reps and it's like, okay, who's responsible for what? Okay, maybe you have a team of 10, maybe you have a team of eight, maybe it doesn't matter. On a regular basis, monthly, sometimes more than once a month, it's there's a check-in. And that check-in is, okay, what are you gonna do before the next time we meet? It's almost like a sales call, right? It's setting the next step before you leave that sales call. What is going to happen before the next time we meet? And then when you show up again together, it's like, okay, what happened? And was it what we thought what was gonna happen? And, you know, I, I think when everybody knows that it's kind of like, um, you know, management theory and an organization, like there's a place for everything and everything has its place. Mm-hmm. What are the tasks that need to be taken care of and who's responsible for doing them? And when everybody knows that everything is taken care of, they can stay in their own lane. They can focus on just the jobs that they have to do mm-hmm. instead of worrying about whether or not other people are doing theirs. If you can focus on the 20 top you know, dream client accounts that you want to really pursue versus turning over every rock under the sun to see if maybe someone's ready to buy today. Right. Like even as we lay that out, what kind of strategy does that look like? How do you compare and contrast those two? Which one do you think is going to be much more effective? But there's this fear, there's scarcity. There's the, okay, but what if those 20 named accounts don't turn onto customers before the end of the quarter? Well, then what? And that pendulum swings too far to the other side. And they're like, well, I'm afraid that I can't commit to this. So when you don't commit to it, nothing ever happens, right? Because you don't get what you don't ask for. I feel like I might be, you know, jumping around a little bit here too much, but just, you know, this idea that you need to know what your job is. Mm-hmm. You need to know that someone is depending on you to do it. And in order to do that job as effectively as you possibly can, you need to be focused on a very short amount of things. Mm. And it's funny when I work with um, salespeople, it's like, okay, give me your 10 named accounts. Mm. Well, here's my 300. Like, eh, let's Damn. start with 10. Yeah. Because if you're working 10 
sales processes at the same time, that's actually quite a lot. You know, and there might be multiple transactions within each customer. Okay, depends on the business that you're in. But are you working 10 opportunities at the same time? I mean, that means you can touch two every day, every day of the week. Mm. That listen, two meetings a day, that's way more than what the average salesperson is doing. <laughs> but when you actually do the math, oh, Morgan, I've got automation in the background, I'm working thousands of leads. Yeah, okay, how many deals are you working? And it turns out that it's never more than a small handful. And if you could just increase that small handful from four to seven, yeah, and you're gonna win an additional, you, you worked up from four to seven, now you're gonna close one out of three, you just increased your deal cycle by 30 to 50%, if I'm doing that math right. Like, right. it does not take a lot, but right. people are afraid to focus because they're afraid uh, it's that scarcity mindset. Great, great points. Um, we're big fans of, of focus and, you know, the right type of activities, the right type of structure, um, big, you know, structure and discipline and follow rules. Follow rules has to be there. Mm -hmm. Right now, I have a large team. I have 26. And if, if people don't follow the rules, it makes for an interesting day. Uh, so it's uh, a little, little bit different right now. But great points. Um, you know, at, at some point, what I am interested in hearing in your coaching background mm -hmm how you take someone who gets lost, who is not selling authentically like themselves. They're not themselves anymore. They're probably um, behind on their number. Yep. They have that, what's the real pipeline look like? It's probably large, but none of it's real. Uh, I, I think some of our listeners and followers fall in that trap. And I know that some of the leaders have, have folks that fall in that trap. And how, how, can we, how can we coach and help through that, maneuver through that? What a question. So this is what typically happens in that situation. You've got a rep who's struggling. They don't know which end is up. They start pressing. They're looking for, uh, first of all, they're, they're praying, you know, they're, they're hoping the Hail Mary opportunity comes through and they salvage a quarter somehow because, you know, just some of the sales gods put a deal in their lap, right? Never a good strategy. The sales rep is looking for any kind of help. They're reluctant to ask their manager because that means they have to admit that they're failing and flailing. So they're out there on social media looking for something that's going to work. Maybe they're going to spend a little money on a coaching program that they won't understand. And they just, they're struggling. And I've been in that role before and I, I hated it. What will often happen is the leader will step in with good intentions and try to help by telling the rep how to do it because that's how she did it when she was in the field 10 years ago and it worked then for my customers, it'll work for years. And so now we have someone who's pressing, grasping at straws and we have someone else coming in over the top of them and trying to impress their own way of selling on them. Nobody is acting out. Nobody is like, there's no malicious intentions here at all. Mm. It's just misguided. So when I take someone who's in that situation, I put my arm around them figuratively, if not literally, depending on how HR feels about it, right? Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, look, right, it's going to be okay. This is what I'm seeing. It really looks like you're struggling and it's okay to struggle. I've struggled. Everybody has been in this has struggled at some point. Let's take a look at what needs to happen. You need to create X amount of leads on a monthly basis in order to close. You need to create so many opportunities in order to close 30% of them. Okay. Let's look at your opportunity creation. What's going on there? Well, well, clearly it's not working. Why isn't it working? What's getting in your way? 
Do you not have the skills? Probably not the case. Do you not have the discipline? Mm, probably not the case. You're probably applying those things incorrectly because you, it really feels like I've been on a couple of calls with you. I've listened to a couple of calls. Really feels like you're forcing. Take a deep breath, lighten up. You're good at this. But when you try to be someone you're not, you're not that good. That's the problem. So look, I know your numbers aren't there. I'm going to give you my attention. Let me give you a little extra attention and a lot more encouragement over the next couple of months. We're going to see some things turn around here. And look, I'm not asking you to hit your number this quarter for crying out loud. You missed it by 70% this past quarter. You're not going to flip the switch and all of a sudden be a killer. I'm looking for incremental process. Wow. I believe in you. I believe you're capable. I want to see incremental progress here. And once you get that momentum going behind you, it will snowball quickly. So if you're going to be patient, if you're going to be diligent, if you're going to do the work that I'm going to ask you to do, I've got you. And we're going to see where this goes. Now, look, it's possible we just can't make this work. I don't think that's where my head is. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. That's not where my head is right now. Let's just take the next three months for what they are. Okay? And you get that agreement. Once you have that agreement, wow, the tension goes down in the room. And then you free, that, that, that person frees up and they feel like, wow. Okay. All right. So not only is the pressure off, but my leader believes in me and wow. he or she is going to help me. They're going to, they're going to help me understand the things that need to be done. And then what I do as the leader is I say, okay, what needs to happen here? All right. I've got some scripts that I've used. We've got some talk tracks. You've been given this stuff, but like, man, if you're trying to memorize this stuff, yeah, that's going to, yeah. you're, you're, you're forcing already. How would you say in your own words, how would you make these, these points? Wow. Strong. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Try that for a while. Mm -hmm. Really go fail. It's okay. This is all part of the problem. You can't succeed until you fail. So then you, I think the first thing is letting the air out of the room and, and getting rid of that tension. The other thing is giving them permission to sell like them. And then the final thing is not just giving them permission, but encouraging them along the way. Everybody's got it in them, right? Mm. They're in them. I'll tell you what, there's someone out there for everybody. Even the people who you think are the anti-sales people, they're anti-social. They there are other people out there just like them that they could sell anything to because yeah. they, everybody relates to somebody else. So maybe there's just a wrong fit. Now, some people are better able than others, but like, look, they got this job for a reason. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a lottery, uh, you know, oh, you're the next sales professional for Acme right. Incorporated. Dig back into yeah. those reasons. Remind yourself what you know to be true. Hmm. Good at this. You're capable. Let's go. I love that. I mean, and you're right. I mean, you got to let the air out of the room, but it, it's interesting, you know, you can't hide in sales. The numbers are there. And sometimes they still yeah. want to hide and they stay away. I had a one-on-one -on -one two months ago. Same. It's like, man, I've been scared. I've been, it's like, dude, I, I know I, we see it. I'm here. To, yeah. I have an open door policy, mm -hmm. but again, and, and Tim and I've talked and, and created for a long time, that safe, that safe zone where failure is, is, is okay. And we talk about it and yeah. you don't want to fail all the time in the same ways over and over again. But you know, true growth happens when you can have a, a safe the safe zone. And and you just have those one-on-one -on -one safe zones. And, and it's important that you don't lie to your rep, right? If you really don't believe in them, well, then let's let's move on. But I think, look, as, as a leader, when you step out of the front lines, um, you give up your customers 
in large part. A lot of leaders still have a few that they manage, um, but your team becomes your customer. Yeah. And so you have to treat them like customers. You have to encourage yeah. them to do things that they that are in their best interest, that are also in, in your best interest. You mm. have to ask them to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do if it weren't for you asking. And you have to um, create that trust. Yeah. But if you really don't trust them, okay. If you can't say what I just said with full faith, well, then we got to talk about that. Yeah. But that leader also has to be questioned and say, okay, why do you not believe in this person? And mm -hmm. I know they haven't performed, but is their lack of performance due to your lack of effective leadership? Yeah. If you've been an effective leader and they're just not cutting it, okay, great. But we know that most of the underperformance in the field is because of underperformance in a leadership role. Mm. That's, and uh, you know, we, we'll go by, uh, you know, we'll go back to, to Mike and he says that in sales management simplified. He said, as goes the leader, goes the team. Yeah. Or, or so goes the leader, goes the team. I don't know. I don't know the grammar, but you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. right? The yeah. team's going to take after right. the leader. Right. So um, it's, it's all there. Yeah. And it's interesting. You said when we first started this out, and I love that you said, you're a student of sales. And I think if I was to take all of my titles, just go ahead and shred them because the, the, you know, what, what do I want to be in life? It's being a student of, of being a better father, a student of being a better husband, a student of being a better community person, a student of being a better sales professional. And that's why we do this podcast. As I mean, you said a student of sales and as a leader, if you never stop being a student of sales, then I think that you you attract that out of you you bring that out of your team oh, yeah. where they can bring you ideas where you have that open door policy, David, like you you always had with me. You still have to this day where they have that latitude to fail to try something to bring you feedback. Jeff, you said something about bringing the elephant. Like if you're lost, bring the elephant in the room sell like you and then encourage them along the way. One of the things David did for me when I was a very young sales professional, just making all sorts of mistakes. We had a round table every Monday morning and he encouraged us, the entire team. Now there were some more senior folks on the team. There were some junior sales reps. He encouraged all of us to bring a, we, we called him a chest bump and then we, we got more diversity on the team. So we call them fist bumps. <laughs> we, we were like more women to like more right, fist bumps and gut checks. But I want you to bring me a fist bump and I want you to bring me a gut check. Like, yeah, honest yeah. to goodness, I want a gut check. So we would name them. So mm -hmm. one of the times, you know, I went out to a customer in the field and he just dumped all these problems that my company had on me. And it was like yeah. painful to listen to. And we named it, his last name was Brockway. So Brockway, if you're listening, shout out, big shout out to you for the sales lesson. But he <laughs> called, David called it Brockway's Broccoli. Cause you know, when you're little, you don't like broccoli. You don't like eating the broccoli, but you have to sit there and eat the broccoli. You gotta go with the customer. So anyway, David made a safe place. And what I'm hearing you say is lead with empathy, get behind that salesperson if you can and make sure they know they have a safe place that listen. And I love that you said, this is not gonna change overnight. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna back you up. I'm gonna be with you. Let's take it 90 days and see if we can make some improvement. Yeah. That's and it. It's, it's rational. Imagine that, <laughs> right? I mean, it, we just, it, we, we come from a place, the corporate world is very fast paced. And I'm starting to see it change, right? And, and because people are a resource. And right now, there are a lot of companies that are still very cynical about it, but they're learning that lesson because 
it, there's much more transparency into how much it costs to fire somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even talking about if there's a severance involved. I mean, what are the replacement costs, the, mm-hmm. the downtime and the onboarding and the new technology and the just like everything, right? And so not only is there a cost to that, but look, salespeople pay attention to how you treat them. And your reputation as a company precedes you. Yep. And, you know, it's like, are you a place that, you know, are you going to invest in me? Am, am I going to be more fulfilled as a result of having sold for you? Or are you just going to treat me as another cog in a machine? What's really interesting is companies that treat their people as replaceable tend to have teams full of mediocre performers because when you assume everybody's mediocre oh fancy that that's what ends up showing up on your sales floor yeah but when you encourage people to be their best you end up getting a bunch of top performers and that's not easy to do right because you have to have a certain amount of um, vulnerability there as an organization to let what is going to happen happen. You have to release a certain amount of control because top perform there are no two top performers that are exactly the same. And so you have to have a tolerance for those kinds of things. And you have to be careful that you don't just make it all about revenue because there are some top performing jerks out there who think that they are untouchable because they're the number two guy on the team. And it's like, there's so it's such a fine chemistry that you have to develop in that culture. But when you do it right, it is amazingly beautiful. Mm. And, you know, so you, you have to, I think, lead with empathy. You have to let people know that you trust them, you know? And I think that there are more organizations leaning that way instead of, well, we promised 13 cents a share. And if you guys can't deliver 13 cents a share, we'll find someone who will. Mm. And I think wow. the, the empowerment among sales professionals right now and their willingness to go find a culture in which they will be personally fulfilled is growing and it's already quite strong. So I think, you know, if you're listening to this and this feels a little weird, look, I came from a publicly held company. It was all about earnings per share and all about the quarter and did you hit your number or not? And there was always pressure there. I see that starting. Uh, it's not real prevalent yet, but I see that starting to erode a little bit. And publicly held companies are starting to recognize it too. Wow, that was strong. I think a huge <laughs> takeaway is being rational. You know, I, I've seen over the years, I, I, I've never seen anyone come out of a performance improvement plan. I've, I've never seen someone get pipped and come out of it uh, because it's not rational. It's expecting, hey, you got 90 days to go from zero to hero, and it just doesn't happen. The other point, it's very easy for us as leaders to, to look at our people, and it's, and it's them, and not point the fingers at ourselves. I'm not effectively leading this person up, through, out, over, somewhere, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very easy, um, especially as the teams get large. It, it's all about them, and it, and it's e- and it's especially easy when you've inherited. We've talked about that before. When you haven't chosen, and and especially when you're uh, uh, large on, on creating a culture, a culture of performance and camaraderie and empathy, um, and maybe someone didn't come into that type of culture, um, and it's tough for them. But we, you have to be rational. Well. I um I, I will say I'm the big winner here today because I figured out how to get a free coaching session out of Jeff and it was bring on the podcast. 
<laughs> no, I'm kidding. The invoice is in the mail, too. I'm Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> Did you hear the taking... knock on the door? That's FedEx. They, that's, they're, that's they're, FedEx. Yeah. You already got it here. I, I'm taking I'm taking notes and coming up with the show title, and I, I can't I can't decide if it's help your reps rethink the way they sell or how to have effective conversations that generate team buy-in. Because either I like one, one, I mean, I think it's the effective conversations. I mean, as you went through and talked about having those conversations, and when somebody's lost, bring the elephant in the room, let the air out, sell like you, encourage them along the way, get that buy-in. Um, man, this has been so strong. I hope I hope at the end of the day, if you're listening to this, number one. You'll go down into the show notes and click on Jeff's LinkedIn link and go connect with him right now. Because at some point along the way, whether it's right now because you're in emergency sales deficit and you need him in your organization right now, or in six months, you're looking to take your leaders from good to great and you need to bring him in, whatever the case may be. I hope you'll go connect with him. That's number one. Number two is please next link down, sign up for our summit uh, September 18th. And come, it's completely free. And 12 fantastic sales speakers going to be delivering three and a half hours of takeaways that are going to be implementable in the field with your sales reps immediately. So join us. It's going to be a Saturday morning before football. No fear. Um, Jeff, we're going to, or David, any closing thoughts? And then Jeff, we're going to let you drop a gold nugget as we get out of here. No, I, this was this was powerful. We were excited to have Jeff on. It's been a while, uh, and just tremendous you know the, the rationality of it all and being there for your teams you know, I, I pivoted like in huddle every morning I'll tell them when I have open time hey if you need some help with something um, you know this is my open time and a week or two ago I, I pivoted to more to hey this is what I'm available stop in let's share you know let's just talk share some stuff if, if, if you want to connect and and there's been a little bit there's been an uplift because now they don't feel, oh, I'm struggling with something. Let me come, which we have a safe place, but it's, you know, as leaders, we have to be rational. We, we have to um, acknowledge and help and, and, and remove the pressure, but then also be uplifting. Mm. Um, that's the other thing I got from, you know, the third point of, of how you take someone that, that clearly is, is not having fun in sales and not doing well. So that was a lot. Jeff, man, awesome. It's great to meet you, Tim. I, now I know why you've been so excited to, to introduce the two of us. Well, Jeff, you get to drop the golden the golden nugget here at the end. Oh, a golden nugget. <laughs> <sighs> you know, there's been something that's been kind of stuck in my head uh, recently, and I, I did a little bit of life training on this and, and this concept of rejection in sales. And um, I don't believe you get rejected in sales as often as you think. And I think that if you really look at what rejection is, and that's when someone hears what you have to say, appreciates what you have to say, and then says, no, thank you. I think that's the kind of rejection we all want more of. So the clickbait is we need more rejection in sales. Um, but what I want to differentiate between what I believe real rejection is and what most people think rejection is, that get halfway through your pitch and the door shuts on you, or you're making a cold call and people say not interested before you can even get going. That's you not having their attention. That's not rejection. And I don't want you to just compartmentalize, oh, it's not me, it's it's not personal, it's just business. No, 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 you didn't get their attention yet. And if you focus instead on getting someone's attention versus overcoming or gearing up for rejection so you can steal yourself and, and be real thick-skinned, what does that do for your mindset? What does that do to your approach? What does that do to your effectiveness? Because you're trying something from a completely different mental point of view. So we'll call that a nugget for the day. 
that's a whole other podcast in my mind. But that, and now you, we'll talk now, about that now later. You, now you see why you need to go hit subscribe, like, and share this, and join us again as we bring more sales nuggets to you in the trenches. From the trenches to the trenches, guys, lean in. Thank you, Jeff, for being with us today. Thank you. This is fun.